0: something that happened about 14 years ago, and uh, but I still remember it very vividly. And at the time, I was the global lead for a communications group, and we had territories in the UK and in Sweden and in the US, and we also had connections with uh, Japan and uh, one or two other places in the world. And we had spent several years building up the communications capability in support of Uh, regulatory documentation in support of clinical trials and drug approval applications and so forth and we'd been pretty successful we were very proud of, of what we had done and we were yeah I think it would be fair to say industry leading in as much as it was a new way of doing things and through contacts with other pharmaceutical companies we knew we were doing something a bit different and a bit new and we were attracting admiring glances and there were a lot of people who wanted to join our organisation from the comms field because they they liked the way we were valuing people's skills and developing people's skills in particular. And I think that's probably the thing I got the biggest kick out of. Uh, and that was the development of the the function, but also providing the opportunity for people to come in and develop themselves and be developed to more uh, effective communicators. And we had some success stories where we felt our contribution to a particular drug application had had made a difference. But as with large organizations, eventually a big change came down the road. And this change was very big and it affected the entire function that I was in. And one consequence of this was that they decided that they were going to move away from having a global approach to everything. And they were going to go to have a regional approach to everything. And there were going to be no global leads there would be a, an overall head of department for the function who would cover all the territories, but it pretty much flattened. It was very much in this 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 uh, fashion that uh, came up, which was to have a flat management structure. So overnight, I lost my job and I had to apply for a new role and I had to compete with people who had been direct reports, for for roles and also people coming from other departments whose some of their departments had been completely eradicated so they didn't have anything to apply for in their old field and you know that's what goes goes on with change and that's how change happens and I knew that actually when it happened I was disappointed and I was sorry about it but it um, I sort of felt I was prepared for it Because I'd seen lots of change and I knew what happened. And and I certainly didn't think for a minute that I shouldn't be affected by change or have any of those kind of feelings. And uh, I went through the classic emotions that you're supposed to go through for the whole change process. But actually, it was a very negative experience. Even now, I I think of it with sadness. Yeah. In that it wasn't just a case of going through a process and coming out the other side and carrying on. Because I, I realize now that I I suffered quite profound grief at the loss of what we had. And some of it was personal in as much as I lost a job I loved, probably the job that I'd loved the most. But also we lost momentum in terms of the, the creation of the department, which took a long time to get back. We did get it back eventually. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad to say now I think others have taken it on and have taken it further and have done great things with it, which is lovely to see. But also, I felt I did become quite bitter and quite angry about it because I felt what we'd done had been undervalued. I certainly felt what I had done had been undervalued and forgotten. And it it, it had an interesting effect on me and I became quite a bit of a misanthrope, I think. And it sort of crept up on me after a while because I did get i got a i got a local role, um, and I ended up basically being responsible for the local uh, department that that I was in, which was tricky because then I had to to interact with the other regional groups, and you know they they the, the, my my counterparts they wanted to go their own pathway, and we suddenly introduced all sorts of arguments and discussions which we didn't previously have because people just wanted to go local, and sometimes I couldn't. I couldn't see the reason that they wanted to go local other than they wanted to do their own thing, and for it to be their own thing. But I did, I did become disillusioned, disenCHANTED, and as a result, uh, as I say, a bit—I don't know—misanthropic is the right word, but grumpy, and mm-hmm. uh, and I I was a little bit less caring of others around me. I remember getting a reputation for always turning up late to the departmental meetings and uh, after about six months of this my new my boss asked to see me at the end of one meeting and he said to me he pointed it out to me and he said that's the fifth time you've been late what's going on why are you late and I said oh I've got things to do and he he just laid it out and said look you know there's been quite a change your department's running okay but um but you've changed and you can be quite challenging and uh, in, a, in an unhelpful way in meetings, you, you know, what's going on? What's happened? So I said, well, yeah, I think you're right. I, I, I admit it. And, and I think it's because I am finding it hard to pick up with the same enthusiasm because uh, I feel I've been undervalued. I feel the people that I developed have been undervalued. Uh, I don't sign up to the new principles that we've we've been asked to pick up because there, there were universal values passed across everybody and I just didn't see how they applied in our area, we were being asked to apply them just because everyone was applying them. And I said, I'm struggling with that. So I, I'm, if I'm honest, I can't get my, put my weight behind them because I really don't believe them. And uh, so he said, well, what are you going to do? Because, you know, you, you, you've gone from being a, a real, real top performer in the organization to somebody who's not a poor performer, but yeah, a bit difficult. Mm, people would think twice about maybe, asking your advice or working with you now. And that was very saddening to know that. And uh, so I took steps to do something about it and I made sure I was never late for any meetings and I was much more courteous and listening and I tried much harder to be a good team player and, and turned it and and very quickly got a compliment back from that same manager to say, yeah, good, much better, you know, it's great to have you back sort of thing. Except... He didn't have me back because I was just no, no longer angry. I was just sad because there was no where to go with it. I was now it'd gone from being progressive and dynamic and making change that we thought could make a difference to basically just running the shop, running a local shop, keeping it ticking over. Mm-hmm. And uh, I lost all enthusiasm. And in fact, I never got it back in that role.
1: Yeah. Like what sticks in your head about the part that like these new principles that they were talking about that just didn't stick and you lost sort of the engagement with it? So we, we laid out this vision. And we, uh, there was a vision for the
0: whole department and the vision was about excellence and being excellent. And then we were required to develop our own more specific version of the, the vision for our area. And excellence was really defined under two headings, quality and efficiency. Obvious ones to pick, but good ones to pick. And I was very interested in both, but I was particularly interested in the quality aspect, where I was defining and others were defining quality as in not just getting the job done efficiently and to cost and on time and so forth but actually doing something, doing something a, bit, a bit different, raising the skills of the people involved, developing new approaches to what we did so that we, we were more effective. So we didn't just deliver efficiently, but we delivered with even greater effect. But in actual fact, it became quite clear that although the vision all talked about excellence in skill and, and uh, processes, the overriding priority was efficiency. Mm-hmm. and the operational side of that. So we spent a lot of time talking about how we would resource projects and delivering projects on time and cutting the amount of time it took to deliver things. And and I, I understood that, and I, I supported us doing that. But we paid lip service to the improvement of the overall processes in terms of the quality of the output. We paid lip service to the development of the people to deliver better it was very much about uh, metrics to do with cheaper faster
1: yeah it, it sounds to me like you appreciated the need or the desire to be more efficient but that's not an idea that seemed particularly interesting or engaging to you no
0: i didn't think it was differentiating enough i didn't think it was i didn't find it exciting
1: it was it was an operational type role so it's not that you were disagreeing with it it's just that it's hard to get it's hard to get excited about something like that.
0: I mean, some people did. Um, the head of the department was very into it and and did a good job. I mean, there's no doubt about it that that he tidied lots of things up and things did run more efficiently. But I would find myself when I'd got over my sort of bitterness phase and I was trying to be a good team member. I'd find myself making these, proposing these ideas and making presentations, you know, taking a radical. Approach to some aspect of, of something we, we we could be doing. And I'd just get no traction because it was probably going to be too disruptive. We have a process that delivers stuff, but it's a bit expensive and it's not very efficient and it's not very fast. Let's, let's speed it up, let's streamline it. Okay, in the short term, but how about having some completely new approach that would deliver something even more awesome and then we could streamline? Yeah, yeah, we could do that, but. You know the ideas never got any support. They just they just were allowed to fade. The only thing that rescued me was that after another couple of years, another big change process came along, and we all got whisked off to an airport hotel in Europe and given the details of the new change. And um, I had fun because I just thought, well, whatever, here's another one. So I just relaxed and, and uh, I volunteered to chair a couple of sessions and asked some questions, and, but cognizant of the fact that you didn't want this to be awkward or difficult. But I did take an interest in how they were doing it because I didn't think they were doing it that well. Uh, they, they basically was a big, they were introducing a new strategy. And when I looked at it, I, saw, I, I realized that there was hardly any strategy in it at all. It was basically a few tactical housekeeping things that they were doing there was no big strategy so i did take the opportunity to raise that with some senior leaders but even then if i'm honest i was just having fun and and passing time really and just engaging with it because it was something to do but as a consequence i got offered a job supporting that new change and that that was that was really good because I, I accepted the job. I left my beloved communications role, which I'd loved for 20 years, and said, yeah, right, I'm going to give this other thing a go. And it gave me a new lease of life. I suddenly became more interested and, yeah. and engaged. But um, and that's,
1: a, that's how our paths crossed, eventually. Yes. Absolutely. Was in that role, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. But what's
0: the message? I don't know. I don't think it's anything... Radical that people haven't come across before i think I think one of the things that uh, it strikes me is that the impact of that kind of change is can be profound. It can mean that people you know, high performers i don't know whether I was a high performer or not, but I wasn't doing too badly, but I'm sure there were others I know there were others around who were similarly affected who definitely were high performers can be quite severely damaged i mean one of the consequences of the change that that I went through quite a lot of really good people just left said well Mm -hmm. I had this really good job and I was doing really well and I was making a difference and you know you've just basically thrown a log in front of me so I'm going to take a different path and they left and having spoken to one person in particular about that that was their shortcut to overcoming the disillusionment they still felt angry and bitter for quite a long time afterwards but they did manage to Pick up their enthusiasm um, much more quickly, because they were recruited by an organisation that really, really wanted them, and that specifically picked up on them because they um, they were bringing skills and experience from a large pharmaceutical company to a medium-sized pharmaceutical company. So there, yeah. was, there was the demand there was come in and and just turn us around. We we don't know what we're doing, and we'd like to learn how Big Pharma does it. So he said that that, that, was, that was fabulous because that really did excite him. But he still, <laughs> it was still, you know, two or three years after the change, he was still angry about what had been done and the way it had been done. And also the, the, you know, the fact that it, it just seemed to have been done in an arbitrary way. We need a change. Let's just throw everything up in the air and, and change it.
1: Yeah. It sounds like that's an easier transition because if you think you're doing valuable work, and all of a sudden, your company doesn't value it anymore. I, you know they wouldn't put it that way, but that was the change. That yeah. was the the effect of the change. But you find another company that says, "Well, we value this. It's easy to kind of stay with your paradigm that this is you know this is valued and valuable work. Whereas if you stay with the company, I think it's it's very different because you kind of have to find your own way. Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing is, um,
0: at that time, I did not have a mentor. And in fact, at no time did I have a mentor in the organization. Uh, we were very poor at, at uh, identifying mentors for people and, and, and assign You know, I mean, I, I was on a, a, a to be retained list. You know, they, they had these lists of people that they they gave extra rewards and bonuses too because they wanted to retain them in the organization so I was on that list so clearly I was officially recognized as somebody who had skills that they wanted to retain and develop but they didn't then do anything about it other than give me this bonus which was nice but there was no mentorship now thinking back looking back on it now I could have gone and got my own mentor and I wish I had just informally found somebody and said would you mentor me because that's what People did do but I didn't really know anything about mentorship and didn't understand mm-hmm. it having a mentor at that time, I think could have been a great help to have said, "Look, okay, this is how I feel, and this is how it's affecting me because I think they may have been able to someone may have yeah. been able to help me better sooner and i I actually think now i would I would love to maybe provide that kind of support to someone else going through that process.
1: do you feel if you were mentoring someone and They needed to find a way to reconnect with their enthusiasm. Do you feel like you would have a proposal or a method in place to do that? I think
0: the path to go down would be a coaching approach. Because the one thing I would say to them is we have to find a way for you to rediscover your enthusiasm for what you do. Yeah. Because I felt I, I felt aggrieved. I I went through a grieving process but also there was a a wound, it was uh, my enthusiasm had been ripped from me and it left an open wound, you know it seems obvious now looking back to say oh that's what was wrong and and that's why I was hurting her and that's why I was so angry but I didn't realise it at the time, it took me years before I realised that was what was the biggest problem. But if someone had come along and said, okay, well, look, we're doing this. But, hey, look, there's this new thing that we think needs to be taken up and you've got the skills and we, you're exactly tuned. I think I would have got over it very much faster. Yeah. I would have said, one, we value, and two, here's a role that uh, makes good use of the skills that you'd previously shown to build the successful department that you've built. I, I probably would have got over it very fast. I think I still would have felt saddened and sorry that all that we'd built was damaged. And it was damaged. It was set back for, for a period of years. But personally, I probably would have, would have gone, I, maybe I should have left. Maybe I should have joined a new organisation, but I didn't. And there were reasons at the time where that was something I didn't consider. But that's what I would say to somebody if I was mentoring them and they were going through the same process that I went through which would be to say, okay, first of all, let's, let's give you the opportunity to let out your feelings because I think that's an important part of the grieving process. It's okay to feel aggrieved. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel angry, You're disappointed, embittered, and, and let's mm-hmm. explore all those emotions and admit them. But then let's go on and then say, right, okay, well, where can we go from here? You're still a highly capable person you've still got loads of skills you've got fantastic experience from what you did before where can we go now to start getting back in touch with the positive feelings and emotions that you get from from applying the the, the skills and that experience
1: i think you have it exactly right it's easy for us to connect the dots going backwards and as you review this episode in your life, yeah, it's easy for you to say it now and say, this is what I was going through and this is how I got out of it. Mm-hmm. But identifying that in real time is very, very difficult. And I think that's how mentors can really help. Mm. Not even if they come up with the, a possible solution to the problem, but simply if you were able to identify to someone What you're suffering is a loss of enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. We need to figure out how you get your enthusiasm back. Just identifying the issue is oftentimes more than half the battle. One of the things that really impressed me about this story, knowing you how I do, is how long you went through your misanthropic period, (laughs) which Seems scarcely believable to me, but I'm, you know, I, I, I can kind of understand it, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem to me that like you would really be that way for months on end, but that's the way you describe it to me. So it, it obviously happened. And so it must have been very difficult for you to identify what was going on. Yeah, no,
0: and I, I now know, talking to my family, that, that they suffered as a result as well. 'Cause I was mm. I was bad tempered at work and I was bad tempered at home. Yeah.
1: You know, and the other the other thing that really struck me about the story was that we can talk about change and we can talk about impact and you did a very good job of describing how you eventually came to terms with it and moved on and in a sense got over the loss of a very successful department that you were completely engaged in and what was the global lead of. But there is an aspect there of permanent loss that I think that people don't like to acknowledge or admit or talk about. We want to talk about, yeah, this was stressful at the time, but eventually I got completely over it. Like eventually, the tide came in, and the sand was smooth again, and all was sort of right with the world,
0: yeah, and all dam- down all damage was repaired, and it was as though you know and it was it was you know it was all good and lovely and and, the and all
1: damage was repaired you're you're absolutely right, and i don't I just don't believe that I think there is an aspect of of permanent loss, and I don't want to say that like you're As a result, people are permanently damaged and they'll never be better again. I don't I don't mean that the word that you used that I thought was probably a good way to approach it is disillusionment.
0: Mm.
1: You know, something happened. And as a result of that, you had changed in a way that everything that you were going to view for the rest of your life was going to be viewed in a slightly different way. Whether that was a strategy rollout, whether that was an argument for one thing or another, whether it was an efficiency argument, something permanently changed. And I think that we're reluctant to admit that sometimes. Mm. Is it too melodramatic to say that it affected the rest of your life? Oh, not at all. Not at all. No, no. Um, I don't think so. It, no.
0: I mean, I think the one thing I'd want to say is two, two things, really. One is you say about the permanent effect. Yeah. I have some very significant regrets that I carry with me. During the period where I just lost enthusiasm and interest, I also lost focus and uh, stopped paying attention as much as I should do. And as a consequence, there were a couple of occasions where I let people down, people who were my direct reports, and I didn't do as much for them as I could have done and should have done and then found out about that later and was quite upset to realize that that had happened. Yeah. And that, that was because I had I'd take my eye off the ball, and I can't ever revisit those. Now those people are fine, and they've gone and they've they've got good jobs and they've done well. But that was a that was a real shame. That I mean that really was hurtful because before this happened, that's the kind of thing I would never have done, and no one would ever have thought that of me. You know, if you if you were in my department, then that's the one thing you could you could be absolutely sure of is that you would be the focus everybody would be the focus i cared very much about those people so i regret regret that enormously but the other thing is I, and i'm not for a minute saying this kind of stuff shouldn't happen because that is just ridiculously naive it happens a lot and i mean you know actually i did i did quite well compared to many people you know i wasn't out on the street my family weren't short of a breadwinner so it could have been a lot worse in many ways and i'm sure a lot of people have, have Gone through that, and I'm sorry that they have. I think the point is that this stuff does happen, and yeah, you're right. The disillusionment kicked in; it did change me. But is that a bad thing? No, I don't think it is a bad thing. I think the bad thing about it, if there was one, is that the 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 sort of rehabilitation process took as long as it did. Uh, This is experience. So here's me saying, you know, if I went through that again, I would. I would know how. I would know what to expect, and I wouldn't be as surprised by it. Don't think I would enjoy it anymore, but I would know about it, and I could mentor other people who may find themselves in a similar situation. And that's what experience is about, and that makes you makes you stronger. So I don't share this story in order to cry and whinge and ask for sympathy. It just it's just how it panned out, and and, yeah. and that's what
1: happened. I think it's a great point because yes, it does happen, and yes, it does affect you permanently in a sense but that's the world the world doesn't stand still things happen all the time and so acknowledging that you're absolutely right that it's hopelessly naive to say that once something is set up it's just going to stay that way in this static formation forever Mm. our mutual friend had the best way of looking at this I had to sit in a lot of meetings where he was talking with a lot of people about changes to the organization and how it impacted very talented, very capable people, very professional people. The part that always struck me that he tried to get out of these people was that people had this mode that like we were going to go through this big change and then it was just going to be smooth sailing for the next decade. That's not going to happen. It's going to be like this forever. Mm -hmm. So like if you can't, if you don't have game in this environment, you don't have game period. Mm. These are sort of the terms of engagement. And how are you going to deal with that? I thought it was great the way that he presented that Mm. because it was very, very striking for a lot of people who did not want the world to be this way and i have a lot of empathy for that position but denying reality doesn't seem to be like the long-term solution
0: no i, I think and i think that's a a flaw we have in in modern i guess western culture, where uh, i think we do have this ideal that what you aim for is everything to be set well and stable and uh and 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 that's the aspiration you should have, and and maybe we even build the ideal that there are people living those lives. And if you're not living that kind of life, then you're falling short. Whereas, in fact, or, uh, probably hardly anybody who's living that kind of life. Uh, maybe maybe there'll be periods where you feel it's like that, but keep in mind that that the only permanent thing is change.
1: Yeah, Which is I like, agree. It sounds trite, but. I think it's true, and I think it's a great story.